And that music can only mean one thing. The Delaware Valley Journal is on the air. The official podcast of DelawareValleyJournal.com, where we bring you news stories you can't find anywhere else from Bucks, Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery counties. Thanks in part to the intrepid efforts of the lovely and talented Linda Stein. Linda, how are you today? I'm fine. How are you, Michael? I'm watching all the news that you're trying to track down. There's so much going on uh, in the fight over parents and balancing their authority at schools. And then, of course, you've got the ongoing uh, issues with Larry Krasner and the state house stepping in. And uh, a fascinating piece is just posted about straw purchases of guns, which are illegal purchases, driven almost entirely by the demand for criminal gun for criminals of guns in Philadelphia coming out to the suburbs. So we got a lot going on at Delaware Valley Journal uh, right now, Linda. And now news that in the first congressional district, which is Bucks and a little bit of Montgomery County, we're going to have a Republican primary. And the name of the candidate challenging Congressman Fitzpatrick, it's very familiar to Delaware Valley Journal readers. It is Mark Houck. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Oh, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. So we know you as the guy who had the uh, federal agents pounding on your door because of an alleged shoving incident outside an abortion clinic uh and and you overcame that to fight it's absolutely fascinating tale we may talk about that more later here in the podcast but let's start with why are you running in pennsylvania's first congressional district yeah it's a great question it's it's one i've gotten a lot in the last 24 hours um so you know, the simple answer is the republic is falling apart right that that's that's what congressman scott perry shared with me when i asked him his thoughts about me running and he said look uh we need people of integrity we need people of your character uh in, in washington so um you know if not you then who right so that's the short answer obviously what happened to me and my family my wife and seven children you know we don't want that ever to happen to anyone else ever again in this country. So, um, you know, that we're bringing that messaging to, to, to Congress. And that's of course an impetus to get us there, but you know, there's a lot of other issues other than just the weaponization of the government, even though that's so important. Um, and, and we hope to, to bring influence to those things and integrity to that as well. Well, Mark, um, it's very hard to beat an incumbent, not that I've ever tried, but from what I understand, <laughs> um, why do you think you can do it? Well, someone's got to do it, right? I mean, how else do we, do we get new people in the seats, right? So, look, we had a 98% conviction rate when it came to the federal government suing us, indicting us, rather. And, and we won with a less than 2% uh, chance of winning. So I'm not concerned about the odds. Um, you know, Brian's going into his his fourth term. I think people know what they get from Brian Fitzpatrick. Look, I have nothing bad to say about Brian and his family. I've known Mike, his brother, who passed away, happy memory. I knew him well. I know his dad. Um, I understand the Fitzpatricks, uh, and, and I know who they are as a people. And so we honor him for his service. But the time has come. We need we need new ideas, new perspectives. I'm not worried about the incumbency issue and, and the odds there. Um, we're, we're, we got a great team. We got great support. And I think, you know, through our journey and experience with the, the FBI and the raid, that it was a very galvanizing uh, experience and it brought a lot of people together. And I think you're going to see that with our campaign. We're going to keep it above brow. It's going to be an 
have have a lot of integrity uh, and we got nothing negative to say about anybody. We're moving forward and we're we're assuming our role out of duty to uh, to serve this great nation of ours and serve the, the district, the first district. So, Mark, uh, you just uh, word just broke about uh, 24 hours before we record this podcast that you're running. So it's, it's new. People are getting their, their minds around it. But one of the things that I've heard from the national pro-life community is some well, I didn't hear the eyebrow raising. I guess you would see the eyebrow raising. But, you know, there were some raised eyebrows. Going, wait, wait, wait. We've got a pretty pro-life member of Congress in a really blue corner of Pennsylvania. The fact that we have a pro-life person there at all is pretty interesting. And now we're going to have another pro-life leader that we all admire fighting. I mean, we can we really get, can you get Pennsylvania to go more, can you get that corner, I should say, of Pennsylvania to go more pro-life than you're going to get with Congressman uh, Brian Fitzpatrick? Yeah, that question just came up with the Dom Giordano show. And Look, Brian is not pro-life. If he was, he would be voting that way. So, look, if that's if you're if you're telling me that he votes that way so he can keep his office, well, that's an integrity issue. And when our conscience is compromised, I should say, when conscience is aborted, truth is distorted. And unfortunately, uh, in his voting, and, and we can only judge him based on that, right? I mean, I'm not judging the man's soul or his his sinfulness or anything like that. But based upon his voting, uh, he is not a, a pro-life candidate. Now, he may run on that ticket, and I voted for him as a pro-life candidate, but he just voted in the House for a funding of abortion in the military. So we don't need to get into everything that he's voted on. But I think if we look at his track record, we're going to see that he is not a bona fide pro-life candidate. And uh, and I would be. So uh, I'm hoping that the voters in the first district who want to vote pro-life, who that issue is an important issue for or their one issue, they will see that I'm the clear candidate uh, for the for the position. So um, that's my answer to that question. And, and, you know, we'll move forward. Well, I see on your website you have other issues that you're running on as well, yeah. um, besides pro-life. Um, parents' rights, energy, environment, and immigration. Um, which of those is uh, all, like secondary importance or also important to you? Well, all the issues are important because you know each one of those issues is, is very important to our constituents. And so you know we don't want to minimize. Obviously, the the life of, of the child in utero is is of primordial importance. And of course, you know. All things flow from that. So our decisions on energy, our decisions on uh, education, our decisions on the environment are all going to stem from the dignity of the human person. So we build off of that understanding. And as a steward, as a good steward of the earth, we move forward uh, respecting all of those things. And so I think they build off one another. Well, a lot of Christians are also uh, pro-migration and welcoming the stranger, et cetera. Um, but you're linking it to the environment. Um, what is your position on that? So you're you're alluding to the 22 million that have come across the border and and that what is stated on our campaign. Look, look, I'm all for immigration and legal immigration for people to come into this great nation. That's how my family got here. It's probably how your family got here. 
but we all did it in a legal way, or most of us, uh, from what I can tell from my my family's history, it was done that way. So let's just do that that way. Let's not allow the illegals uh, from coming across the border without the proper checkpoints and so forth. And 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 let's keep in mind how allowing that those open borders how that affects the environment. I don't think that's being discussed. And I think we need to bring that to the table and we need to have policy that understands it. Look at the fentanyl problem or the fentanyl problem that's coming with all these illegal immigrants. So look, we'll talk about immigration and I am pro welcoming the stranger. Uh, at the same time, let's do it the proper way. Hey, I want to ask you just real quickly for the people who haven't heard it. Could you do the, maybe not the elevator version of your uh, encounter with the federal agents, but a you know a, a tightened up version for our listeners who've never heard that story and uh, why uh, just earlier this week I heard Ron DeSantis and Tim Scott both reference your story out on the presidential campaign trail. Well, it's an important story, and so I'm happy to share it again. I'll give you the truncated version for any person that's living under a rock that doesn't even know it, but there are many. I've traveled all around the country and this, I'm surprised at how many people don't know about it. So here's the, the brief version. Uh, October 13th, I was praying out front of an abortion mill in Philadelphia with my son. He was getting harassed. I decided to become uh, my son's father and protect him. And I did that. That was put me in a private criminal complaint that went to state court in Philadelphia. It was dismissed on April 22nd. On April 27th, five days later, the DOJ uh, gave me a target letter on the street corner where that same Planned Parenthood is in Philadelphia, saying I was a target of a grand jury investigation and potentially could be indicted under the FACE Act. Uh, fast forward six, almost six months later to September 23rd, nothing happens. My attorneys contact them right away and say, man's peaceful. He'll come in. No need to bring an agent out to his house. If you're going to indict him, just let us know. We'll bring him in. Um, on September 23rd, we heard nothing from the DOJ. Uh, on September 23rd, about 20 plus federal agents and PA state troopers uh, raided, stormed my home with M16 guns pointed at my wife and me and my children um, with battering rams, full armored vests, SWAT gear, everything uh, along uh, our property and surrounding our property. They arrested me in front of my children, brought me down to the federal building, shackled me, belly shackled me, cuffed me to a table for six plus hours, and then finally released me after about 10 hours. Uh, that led to a trial, which was a four and a half month journey when I was acquitted of all charges by a jury of my peers, which mostly reflected those who support support Planned Parenthood, right? Uh, January thirtieth of this year, it's just, it really is just astonishing. And the arrest part, also, you and President Donald Trump have something in common. You've gotten federal target letters. So look at when, <laughs> when you meet the, pre, the former president, you can say, "Hey, look, I got I got a letter like you did." Sure. Um, so, and that brings up, uh, obviously, it's a topic that's part of national politics, and it's certainly going to be a topic in congressional politics in 2024, which is the question of, is the Department of Justice being weaponized? Do you believe that uh, people are treated differently by the DOJ based on their uh, politics and personal beliefs? And what is the solution? For example, several Republicans running for president say it's time to just shut down the FBI send the enforcement officers to somewhere else like the, the marshal's office or whatever, and just get the the federal government 
out of this business because it keeps getting into messes. Others say, oh my gosh, we can't do that. We've got terrorism and, you know, and uh, gangs to fight. We can't, we can't disarm. What do you think? Well, how about we just follow the constitution, right? How about we? I'm sorry. That's off the table. I I just talked to everybody in politics and they're not going to do that. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no. I mean, look, look, first amendment rights, second amendment rights. I mean, this is what the DOJ is now coming after. So, we can have a Department of Justice, we can have an FBI, provided they fulfill the original purpose of those departments. They have gotten away from that. We need to defund them if they're going to continue to do that. And I know Governor DeSantis says the first thing he's going to do is going to fire the FBI director. So, you know, it does come from the executive office. Uh, they do need to make those decisions at that level uh, because he appoints these people. And um, and and then, you know, we move forward there. But, yeah, I mean, if we just get them to fulfill their original purpose, which we can get into what that was. Sure. Uh, but I don't believe it was to come after American citizens who are exercising their constitutional rights. But you do believe that there is partisanship going on in the uh, way that the DOJ is choosing to pick who they're going to go after and, and not. Yeah, 100 percent. I'm an enemy of the state. Uh, and, and many other like me. And we saw that all played out in 2022 and still playing out. So um, clearly there there is an agenda there. And, um, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years now. All of a sudden, Roe v. Wade gets overturned in June of 2022. And right. now I'm a target of the, mm-hmm. of the federal government. Come on. Well, another issue that that is huge in this area, because we have uh, so many people of Ukrainian descent, is uh, the ongoing war. Do you have a position on that? Um, I know um, uh, the Representative Fitzpatrick has uh, been very involved in advocating for the Ukrainians. Look, I support the Ukrainian people, and uh, this has come up on every interview I've done. And so, you know, I don't have as much knowledge as, as of course, Brian would, because he's been invested in that for so long now and foreign policy. I, I need to get more educated on that. But I would say this. I, I support the Ukrainian people. War is terrible. There, we don't want war. And, uh, you know, I would support any policy that would 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 help us end the war. But I'm more concerned about the Ukrainian people and I want to support them. And so if I get in office or I should say when I get in office, uh, we're going to we're going to support that policy. Mark, I was also going to ask you about the economy, um, since uh, the House will have the purse strings, the power of the purse, et cetera. And um, the U.S., uh, the federal government just got uh its credit rating downgraded. Um, what do you think about uh, the handling of the economy by the Biden administration? And what would you fight to do when you're in Congress? Yeah, it's a mess. Um, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a consumer like everybody else. And I'm, I'm maxed out, you know, with, with, uh, with everything, with the non, my nonprofit ministry that I run. You know, it, it's expensive to do anything. It's expensive to, to have commerce today, to run a small business. Our senior citizens can't afford to live, you know, on their Social Security. Um, we got to do something to help them. Um, our veterans, we need to help. So inflation and all the things that we're all suffering from is a product of these choices in the Biden administration. So if we get in the Oval Office, a Republican in there, you can better believe or best believe, maybe better said, <laughs> um, that I would support all those policies that would help our government uh, reduce inflation, help our seniors, and and support the infrastructure in our district. And, uh, and of course, we're going to support commerce to help small businesses. 
So let's just wrap up real quickly with a couple of personal things. First of all, tell us about the nonprofit you run. What kind of work do you do day in and day out? Right. Yeah. So I, I'm st- that's that's the point, right? I'm still running my my <laughs> nonprofit. Uh, I'm not a full pa- full time campaign uh, guy. I, I have to run a small business, and that small business is a lay ministry called the King's Men. Started it 20 years ago. And, uh, you know, we, we're all over the country and we try to help men, fathers, sons, brothers, all men, uh, you know, be better leaders, protectors, and providers. We address the crisis in fatherhood. We address the crisis in masculinity and we help our veterans and we help, uh, uh, the men in our society who people think don't need the help, but they really do, especially as it relates to their woundedness, uh, right. by a culture of death that has wounded them as children with the multi-trillion dollar pornography industry. We have a lot of men just walking around limping and trying to be good fathers and good husbands. So my ministry was started 20 years ago to help in this regard. And then lastly, tell us something about your life, something you've been through or something you've done that would help you, you think, as a member of Congress, someone has to get into D.C., mix it up, also build coalitions, reach across the aisle. Is there something in your background, something you did maybe as a kid or whatever that you think people would give them a sense of what kind of member of Congress you'd be? Yeah, I, I think I'm a football player, right? I, I played college football. I, I was a college football American. And my ethos and my uh, kind of just mindset comes from being a, a free safety in the defensive backfield. So basically as a free safety in, in college football, you know, you're the last line of defense at any level, but in college, you know, you know, you're the last line of defense and, and you're the quarterback of the defense. And so basically I would be uh, an observer of what was going on and, and have to attack when I needed to attack and be aggressive uh, when necessary and to, and to hold back when, when unnecessary and not be overzealous. So I think as this approaches you know, these issues, these greater issues, you know, we, we have to be leaders and uh, a leader is humble. I was captain of my college football team four out of my five years. And that just lends itself to me being able to work as a team and be with people to guide them, to encourage them, to support them, but also to show them uh, by example. And so I think I will leverage that, that time as a, as an athlete, you know, with that mindset of an athlete that knows when to hold back and when to attack. And I think, if we're going to DC to protect families and my family in particular, uh, you know, we, we need to be aggressive when it comes to protecting uh, traditional family values. However, we need to be a little softer on other issues to, so that we can have discussion and debate. Um, So I think, you know, that training, and I hate to say it, I have 20 years of that training. (laughs) It really influences most of my decisions today. What influences me? Cause I knew some free safeties and the one thing I had in common, they were all crazy. So that's the, <laughs> okay. so we got the Deion Sanders of the first congressional district uh, here in the race. Is that right? Uh, he was much better than me, but uh, no, he, was corner, he was a cornerback. I wasn't a cornerback. I thought he played safety too. I thought they, I, I remember when the Falcons were throwing him out like anywhere, like they were just he was like, a, he was a cover guy. He was a yeah. cover guy one-on-one. He was the best cover guy in the NFL. Uh, well, we appreciate your time. Uh, good luck on the campaign trail. Thank you so much, Mark. How how can people find you? Have you even set up like the websites and all that stuff? Yeah, so the website was set up. I just asked your audience to be patient. It, it's it's working, but you know we have hiccups every day. Uh, <laughs> it's howcforcongress.com. and there's people uh, that can go there, donate, and sign up to help our campaign. We'll need a lot of help. Uh, so anyone interested, we're willing to to help. Uh, have you help at any level? Thanks so much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Mark.
Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Delaware Valley Journal on the air. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends, post it on social media. And if you haven't, sign up for our twice a week newsletter so you don't miss any of the terrific content from DelawareValleyJournal.com. Thanks again. I'm your host, Michael Graham.